0: Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter 35? We have Numbers 35, and then we have one more, Numbers 36. And we'll move, God willing, right into Deuteronomy. And if you want to read ahead, that would be a good thing to read. These are just uh, details of finalization before they go into the land. Numbers 35, 1 through 8, cities for the Levites. Let's look at it. Yahweh spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they shall give to the Levites from their hereditary possession cities in which to dwell, and you shall give the Levites open spaces around the cities. Okay, so... These, and I know that you will recall having committed our study in Joshua to memory, that Joshua gives the names of these cities. There are 48 of them. Um, Not only do they give them a space for their cities, but they also give them extra space for uh, pasture land. So they give them a, a certain a certain measurement for cities and then beyond that pasturely. These cities shall be theirs for dwelling and their open spaces shall be for their cattle, their property and for all their needs. The areas of open space for the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward 1,000 cubits all around. You shall measure from outside the city 2,000 cubits on the eastern side 2,000 cubits on the southern side, 2,000 cubits on the western side, and 2,000 cubits on the northern side, with the city in the middle. This shall be your city's open spaces. Among the cities you shall give to the Levites shall be six cities of refuge. So from those 48, six of those cities will be named and designated as cities of refuge, which you shall provide as places to which a murderer. Can flee. In addition to them, you shall provide 42 cities. So that's a total of 48 cities. All the cities you shall give to the Levites shall number 48 cities, them with their open spaces. And as for the cities that you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from a larger holding and you shall take less from a smaller one. Each one, according to the inheritance allotted to him, shall give of his cities to the Levites. Each of the 12 tribes is responsible for giving a space for these cities. The strategically located Levitical cities are not too far from anyone all across the land of Israel. The Levites don't have an inheritance as far as the land goes, their designation is a spiritual one. They are to be available to be the spiritual advisors and teachers of the law to the people of God so the, and, and available to offer sacrifices and so forth. Showing us the importance Of the spiritual ministry to the people that Yahweh has placed uh, upon the people regarding and respective with respect to uh, the Levites. No one anywhere could be too far away from seeking the spiritual help of a Levite. Their lives are spent studying and ministering in the word of God as they had it at that time, which would be the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. They, they are expected to be and were very well versed in the Torah, the law of Moses. They, in those days, you know, first place, I don't know how many, what percentage of people could even read. But beyond that, The the scrolls, the law, just wasn't readily available. It was was a great effort to copy the scroll of the Torah. So there would, of course, be copy or copies available uh, to the Levites. uh, And this was a very treasured uh, and valuable asset that uh, Levites would have. They were always able to... um, to appeal to the word of God and always be studying it as they should. And they were also able to apply the deeper meanings of the rituals and the sacrifices found in the law of Moses to the personal lives of the worshipers. This was something that was very important. So they didn't have church like we have church. They did have spiritual advisors, these Levites, who could assist them and help them uh, with regard to worship, and they had uh, requirements made of them where they had to do certain kinds of sacrifices and observations during their calendar year. And this was their this was their spiritual life, the nation of Israel. And of course, the Sabbath was separated as the day of rest where they would do no in which they would do no work. As we said, there were six cities among those forty eight, that were designated as cities of refuge. Let's talk about that here, beginning in verse nine. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan to the land of Canaan, you shall designate cities for yourselves. They shall be cities of refuge for you and a murderer who killed a person unintentionally shall flee there. Manslaughter. Somebody kills somebody. Maybe inadvertently bumps somebody off of a cliff or is clearing his land, tosses a stone. Some guy over here hits him in the head, kills him. It was unintentional. Uh, This would be what we would call manslaughter. Now, the punishment for murder was quickly imposed, in in this culture and in this economy in that day, was quickly imposed by the the surviving family members of the person who had been killed. Their reaction was, of course, blood for blood. And in a moment of heated emotion, they wouldn't care whether or not the person responsible for the death was was pleading that it was unintentional or not didn't matter to the family to them this had to be taken care of immediately and the death penalty was the only penalty that would be imposed when one person killed another under the law of Moses so the person who was responsible for killing uh would be immediately generally speaking would be immediately put to death but as the society is growing and evolving and as the possibilities of these cases grow in such, a, in, in such a really heavily populated group of people for the day in which they lived, Yahweh addresses uh, the issue of manslaughter. So here are within those 48 cities of the Levites, six of those cities designated as cities of refuge. You killed a person, but you didn't mean to. Um, now, what would, what, would be your, what would be your alternative to getting immediately killed by the mag- local magistrate or the family members of the person who had been killed? Run. And you go to the city of refuge. You would know where that city is and you would make yourself to that city as quickly as possible. It continues. These cities shall, shall serve you as a refuge. From an avenger so that the murderer shall not die until he stands in judgment before the congregation. This was so that calmer heads could prevail and all of the facts and evidence could be brought uh, before a tribunal, witnesses and so forth. Stands in judgment before the congregation he shall not die until he stands in judgment before the congregation. The cities that you provide shall serve as six cities of refuge for you. You shall provide the three cities in Transjordan and the three cities in the land of Canaan. They shall be cities of refuge. Now it's interesting that it would be from among the cities of the Levites. Already having special honor, these cities would also have uh, further and deeper respect Uh, And so this would be, I suppose you could say a natural haven for those who were pleading manslaughter. These six cities shall be a refuge for the children of the sons of Israel and for the proselyte and resident among them so that anyone who unintentionally kills a person can flee there. Now you understand he still will have to, we saw up here earlier, he will still have to stand trial. But the person who has fled to the city of refuge knows that the case presented and the evidence and the witnesses will prove that he didn't mean to kill this person. Uh, And so at that point, uh, he would not be guilty of, uh, of murder. So, what's the definition of manslaughter? It's given here. If he struck him with an iron instrument and he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. If he struck him with a fist-sized stone, which is deadly, and he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or with a fist-sized wooden instrument, which is deadly, and he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The blood avenger shall kill the murderer. He may kill him when he meets him. All right, so the, the size of the weapon used shows pre- premeditation. I you know, I'm not going to pick up a little pebble out of a brook and say I'm going to take this and kill that guy. Well, that's that's not what you're going to do. You're going to take a a much bigger rock or a piece of wood or whatever. So it it shows premeditation. The blood avenger, the kin, the kinsman kill the murderer. May kill him when he meets him. So Uh, He's out to find that guy, right? But probably along with several other uh, family members. If out of hatred he pushed him or threw something at him with premeditation and he died, or if he maliciously struck him with his hand and he died, the assailant shall be put to death. He's a murderer. The blood avenger may kill the murderer when he meets him. But if he pushed him accidentally without malice... Or threw an object at him without premeditation, or with any stone which is deadly and without seeing his victim, he threw it down at him and it killed him, but he was not his enemy and bore him no malice, then the congregation shall judge between the assailant and the blood avenger on the basis of these judgments. The congregation shall protect the murderer from the hand of the blood avenger. And the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge to which he had fled. And he shall remain there until the high priest who anointed him uh, with a sacred oil dies. So he's, he's bound there as long as the high priest uh, is, is living. Now, here are other, finally, other provisions and warnings. And all of these continue to give more order to a congregation which had left Egypt with no order at all. But one of the things that we've noted in both Leviticus and Numbers is how God himself, through Moses, gave the instruction on how to organize uh, worship, the religious life of the people, the administrative life of the people, how they they had uh, leaders and the the first ones of them Were directly appointed by Yahweh uh, through through Moses, his spokesman. And then not only give to them religious law, but in this case, civil law as well. So that their their lives as a culture and a society would be orderly, very important uh, for a nation. Now. Beginning uh, and continuing in verse twenty six. If the murderer goes beyond the border of the city of refuge to which he had fled and the blood avenger finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge and the blood avenger slays the murderer, he has no blood. So it's, it's, it's the guy guilty of manslaughter. It's his own fault. He should have stayed. Uh, he should have stayed within the city. For he shall remain in his city of refuge until the high priest dies. And only after the high priest has died may the murderer return to the land which is his possession. So all the, everything's everything's done then. It's all off the table. He can go back where he originally came from. Now, how long is the high priest going to live? Who knows? But as long as he's alive, this guy has to stay in the city of refuge. Um, These shall be for you a statute of justice for all your generations and all your dwelling places. Whoever, namely the blood avenger, kills a person, Based on the testimony of witnesses, he shall slay the murderer. A single witness may not testify against a person so that he should die. You should not accept ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, for he should be put to death. So, a single witness is not sufficient. There has to be more, of course, than just a single witness. You should not accept ransom. For one who has fled to his city of refuge to allow him to return to live in the land before the priest has died. So his, his freedom, he may have come from a wealthy family, but his freedom is not for sale. This is the law of the Lord. He is bound to stay in that city of refuge and there's nothing that can be paid to permit him his freedom out from that particular place. You shall not corrupt the land in which you live for the blood corrupts the land and the blood which is shed in the land cannot be atoned for except through the blood of the one who shed it. And you shall not defile the land where you reside in which I dwell for I am Yahweh who dwells among the sons of Israel. So we reflect upon this number one the importance of spiritual instruction to the people of God. In a day where, of course, there was no internet or radio or TV, how can people learn the points that are to be learned regarding spiritual life? They go to a Levite, a priest. They have questions, they will ask the priest, the priest is supposed to have after and we saw the era that the time of study that was required that was back in leviticus uh, the years that were pre- the required for them to study and to be under studies uh, so they could enter the full priesthood in and of themselves they would be they would be very experienced in the torah the word of god genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy And knew how to apply the law. They could also draw upon the wisdom of the history of God's people to help answer certain questions. Now, it was important, of course, for the people to understand the guiltiness of sin and the importance of atonement for justification. And this is a lesson of every sacrifice uh, that is given the people were not too far away from any of that instruction anywhere all across the land of Israel. 48 cities of Levites and within those cities, well-trained priests who spent their lives. They were to do nothing else. They had nothing else other than, of course, to do the duties that it took in those days to provide food for themselves and so forth and to tend to their own pastures. But they had no other, uh, they, they, they no other manufacture. They had, they had no other industry their, the, their lives centered upon being the spiritual leaders of God's people. And so their inheritance, you know, they're called the Lord's inheritance in, in, the, in the law. Uh, their inheritance was the special relationship that they had with Yahweh. And that of course, Yahweh had with them. And the high position, really, to which they were called uh, the ones who always had complete access to the Word of God and had the wisdom to be able to apply the Word of God to the lives of people to teach them about sacrifices, how to sacrifice, to teach them about the, uh, the, the, the calendar of their, of their people, uh, the importance of these special days that were designated. All of that had a spiritual meaning. And we also know That it was a lesson to point to the great sacrifice that God would provide for himself. Really first taught by Abraham when he took Isaac to offer him up. The Lord Yahweh will provide for himself a sacrifice. A great teaching that is illustrated in every sacrifice that is made. And the ministry of uh, the Lord's sacrifice Uh, defined in all of the special days and feasts that uh, were imposed upon God's people. It had a richness to it. It kept them together uh, as the people of God. And the one thing they had in common, they may have had various tribes and those tribes had various industries uh, because of where they were placed or because of their particular talents passed from father to son, yet still... With the variety that existed and the diversity that existed among the people of God in Israel, there was this one common thing, and it was this. They were the people of God in, in the world. They had a place where God had put them. So there were great lessons that the Levites could always teach them. Now, the compassion of God is that people can be killed accidentally. Death is a horrible thing. It's horrible. Uh, it's an enemy that, that stands against us and opposes us. But it is true that not every time someone kills another, that it was a premeditated thing of murder. And so through his compassion and mercy, God would acknowledge both the horror of the death of the victim and the right to compassion with the person who was not really a murderer. It was an accidental thing. So he took God through his law allowed for this person to be removed from society in his, in the normal society and culture in which he would live and would impose upon him certain limits, which would, which would acknowledge to the people that, you know, it was accidental, but it was a terrible thing. And uh, we're going to separate him from the rest of society uh, until the high priest dies. So in that sense, there was something of comfort uh, to the blood avenger. But of course, it was, it was also a way of escape to escape immediate retribution uh, in that he wouldn't be killed just immediately after having accidentally killed another. So he had a way of escape. And it it shows the mind of God who covers all of our needs and emotions even even to this uh, to designate the difference between murder and, uh, and manslaughter. And then finally, to shore up The boundaries of right and wrong by civil law. There's a big section about civil law. We looked at it in Leviticus. Not only is there the religious law, the law of worship and so forth, but there's also civil law. And remember that uh, the Ten Commandments, if you look at it in the scriptures, in in Exodus, for example, where where the Ten Commandments are given. It's a very brief section of scripture. Ten Commandments. And then when you study the law of sacrifice and atonement and the civil law of retribution and correction, when you study all of that, it was obvious to Yahweh that his people could not obey the law. Just 10 simple commandments, but they couldn't keep the law. And so while there was this brief section of 10 commandments, there was this tremendous section of both religious and civil law that addressed how to treat guilty people. Huh. How, to, how to treat the offender. And so everybody becomes a, an offender in some way or another. Thus the sacrifices uh, are required and should be made. Those five sacrifices that we studied back in Leviticus. And... The Levites would be masters of teaching what all of that was about. A, a person's obligation to each other and, a, and their obliga- the obligation of a person to his God, to Yahweh, uh, to, be, to be obedient, to seek an understanding from the Word of God as it existed then, on how to deal with the issues of life. All of that was available to him, especially through the teachings and the advisement and the counseling of the Levites, and they were everywhere, all across the land, and they were they were easily accessed. So now there are some final details in Numbers chapter thirty-six uh, that that carry us to the time where the pe- where the people crossed the land. But then Deuteronomy is given is the more or less the farewell speech of uh, of Moses to the people before he goes up and is taken away his life is taken by by the Lord on top of the mountain. We're going to stop there and God willing we won't, next Sunday night is Labor Day. We won't, we won't meet next Sunday night so God willing two weeks we'll complete the book of Numbers. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for attending to every detail of our lives. We thank you for spiritual guidance and counseling for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives today and for your word, which is so readily available to all of us. So I pray, O oh God, that you will strengthen us as we seek to understand all of these things Today, in this present day in which we live, in Jesus' name, amen.